0: Happy New Year and happy weekend, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. I'm here with my friend, Boss. We're going to be talking about the so-called two-income trap, and whether its existence is real or not,
1: he's here for a visit. What's up, Boss? You dropped in, and we thought we'd kick it. Excited to be here and discuss a new exciting topic with you as well, as always. Exciting is the key word because uh, even though the, the publication date
0: has not yet arrived, Steph's book with Tan Books, Ask Your Husband, author Stephanie C. Gordon. She's there. She's got Omicron. She's behind the scenes. She's actually kind of miserable. I feel very bad for it. Everyone pray for Steph. She's not feeling well. But a box of her books arrived at the home. It's Ask Your Husband. It's perfectly time for today's show. This came yesterday or the day before. And you can purchase this exciting new book on Tan Books or, of course, on Amazon.com now. Ask Your Husband, and they will be getting in in real time, even though technically the release date wasn't until February the 1st. One of the recurring themes in Ask Your Husband, author sitting four feet away behind the the screen there, is whether or not, I mean, Steph doesn't deal with it as such, but what we want to be talking about today from the perspectives of two real dudes who are living according to the Catholic faith, we used to call it the In Not Of podcast. Is there a veritable two-income trap in the hard sense of the term? All the trappings of the term trap, do they all apply? What do you say, Anthony? Take a, take a first crack at this thing.
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we were trying to unpack it earlier when we were talking about it. And one of the very first things we were talking about is personal responsibility. And that's a large part about what we need to discuss today, I think. And so that's probably where we should start, to be honest, is that the personal responsibility – When it comes to being in this uh, so-called two-income trap.
0: Yeah, I I mean, and this is also the thing that uh, I'm going to scooch toward you. (laughs) Not that I like to. It's never going to be popular to tell conservatives, Christians, Catholics, trad Catholics, that this term, the two-income trap, which is actually a term coined by Elizabeth Warren in a 2003 book, Where she's saying mostly sensible stuff, yes, Pocahontas, far left Elizabeth Warren, is saying that having two incomes per household, one husband, one wifely income, is a trap, seems strangely honest for a far leftist, and she's moved off of this position. In 2003-2004, she was being honest about it. But of course, as a leftist, she was coming from the perspective that it is not the personal responsibility of individual households, they're being enticed by a greedy capitalist system or something like that into having two incomes. And it's not really the fault of, you know, the mother and the father of a household that they've been enticed into this system of two income greed. And, you know, for all of the stuff she gets right, I think she gets wrong the idea that even though it might be enticing to have an extra set of TVs, an extra fancy second car, the things that you can get for that second income. I don't think, veritably speaking, theres uh, we speak about uh, the the personal responsibility entailed by getting a second income in the appropriate way, which would correspond with the idea of it being a trap where it actually takes your free will and your your free agency away from you Mm -hmm. as one that trades all of the, the good things you trade to get that extra money in and buy a second income, so I, I think personal responsibility is never the sure path to being popular. But we're gonna we're gonna dialogue it as honestly as we can here today.
1: It's anything else in life that requires growth and change. It's not comfortable, and it's uh, it's gonna be a, a tough go of it, no matter how it is. And so, especially when it comes to something like going against the grain of everything in society or anywhere else, your your own family. A lot of times your friends and whoever it is, it's going to be very difficult, very uncomfortable. And you have to retrain yourself and you have to relearn things a lot of times. So, yeah, that's just natural, I would say, for for anything, whether it's a career for yourself as the man leading the family or the wife trying to uh, throw off the chains of feminism, as I would say. Uh, You know, whatever it is. Never, never comfortable. When you talk to, like, traditionalists, I just mean not even
0: in the specifically Catholic sense, but those who harken back to tradition – they all pretty much monolithically acknowledge that having one income is is a good thing. They'll call it ideal, right? Mm-hmm. They'll say that's the ideal. I acknowledge this. I'm talking right. Protestants, even secular conservatives raising families. Mm-hmm. Definitely Catholics. It's more codified in our tradition, as Steph talks about at great length in "Ask Your Husband." I think the the third, it's the fourth chapter, substantiates the Catholic tradition, which says, "Look, you need." One household income, two household incomes is actually ultra-various. You're not allowed to do it. It's horrible. Even the 20th century popes that we associate, by and large, with some amount of modernism, including Pope John Paul II, says, this is an abhorrent evil to take on a second household income. So most conservatives are at a place where they'll say, yeah, it's aspirational, it's ideal to operate on one household income. But the story is what? That it's it's um, it's an ultra outmoded <laughs> model that doesn't work for anyone. And and this is I guess what we're calling BS on today,
1: right? Did you? This model works for your family? How does it work? Well, uh, that's the thing is is we were talking about how it works for people and why. And uh, you know everybody thinks you have to have a six figure income to raise a family. If you're gonna have five, six kids, you know whatever God's willing to bless you with, uh, again. Let's take off the, the hat of like all the special circumstance situations. We understand like single women working. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, young couple when they're first married, if a woman's working, whatever. Okay, let's, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about woman who's barren. Okay, we're talking about the ideal situation again is, yeah, you have, to, you have to realize that not everything that you're told is supposed to be natural is natural. Okay, so in our society, two incomes, six figures if it's one you know, two cars or three cars, a vacation home, a boat, uh, whatever it is, you know, a yearly vacation, even if it's going to be something big, like going to Disneyland or wherever it is, big traveling things, that's not always normal. It's sold to us continually as a normal thing. What's normal is having the proper mindset of living in your means, right? That's, that's the number one thing is you have to live within your means and do that properly where you're taking care of your family. So the single income where the mothers can be at home with the family instilling your values in your children. That's that's just – that's it. There's really no other way around that. And then the comments and whatever else are just going to be, well, exception, 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 but it always eats the rule. And we have to right. get away from that because that's – it's embarrassing. Again, if you're going to have growth, you have to take an honest look and be very uncomfortable and uh, just attack it head on. So what you're saying is – But it's doable, uh, about what you were asking. It's doable. Of course. But you have to retrain your brain to live within your means. Of course. Which, that's I'll, the first thing. I, I
0: want to recapitulate some of the really good stuff you're saying because – when we say, look, ostensibly a yearly vacation, even a, a humble destination, that's not a guarantee. That might be something you trade in order to, if you need to, have a one household income. Right. A second car. Mm-hmm. This is something that was pitched like during re, between Eisenhower and Reagan as a new <laughs> standard for yeah. American conservatism. Right. Having a second car. Having a second car. Let me let me say this clearly to people: is A luxury, not a necessity. Mm -hmm. If you have one household income, and let's say the mom is staying at home during the day with the kids, uh, and let's say homeschooling the kids, then that family can get away with having only one car. It's going to have to be a bigger car, assuming that you're having a a bigger family. The man can take the bigger car to work, and then on the weekends, you can go and do your shopping. I spoke about this with Elliot Holst. That's what my family does, because... It's more pleasant to go to the grocery store altogether. You can work it out according to your druthers, but the point is, even a second car gets. Categor- Anthony, you're big on this. Gets categorized as a need when it's right. really a luxury or a want. Absolutely, and that,
1: stick that in the pile. What else? No, uh, uh, no, There's there's a lot more that goes with that though. That just there, there are categories we have in our minds that are needs that just are not, and we've just been brought up that way because of. We'll blame capitalism, right? <laughs> We're joking about it. Right it's, it's a capitalist society, man. It's whatever, for whatever reason, your own family, uh, what you've been growing up around and seen on TV, whatever the case may be, you have to get away from that. So a, a second vehicle is a big one. A yearly vacation is a big one. Um, I, I can't even I think of a lot of things like a, a home larger than you need. Yeah, huge, a huge, I, large home, a, a home larger
0: than... I don't know, 16 1,800 square feet or whatever. That's a, a luxury, right? Right? Absolutely. All of the creature comforts, having television at all, which I'm not one of these people that's constantly, especially among trads, that's always beating up on TV. Yeah. But having a television with some regular streaming service or cable, having multiple TVs, <laughs> yeah. having game consoles, all that stuff is yeah. cool. I'm, I'm not against it at all. But if your back is to the wall... Then what do you do? You pare everything down and you say, look, what we need to do, because maybe I'll be more successful in five or ten years and I'll be at a place where we can have the one income, which right. is the first priority, and then start piling some of these creature comforts on top of it. Yeah. But until I have that, until that's a reality, what I really need to do is just have my back to the wall and and focus on the single income Lifestyle, which is very eminently doable. We might not have the vacation. We might not have the car. And really, what's happened? I, I don't think it's the 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 corporations. I, I agree. The corporations <laughs> with LGBT and transsexualism yeah. and all the good stuff. Beer bug. Yeah, they're evil, <laughs> but they're not evil in the sense of they can't override your agency. Right. Such as yeah. to, to to the point where you would have a where they would have a culpable mens rea in place of you for tricking you into buying their products. Like, if this is what's enticing people, and I know a lot of trads are here, into saying, yes, the single income household is the Catholic ideal, but I'm going to go ahead and fall, you know, I'm going to fall on the other side of this. I'm going to have my wife get a job because I've got invincible ignorance or because I've got invincible emergency, which is another big one among our trad friends you better be darn sure that that's a legit emergency. I don't think it's going to count if it's just that you want your yearly va- vacation, you want a second car, you want the creature comforts.
1: Well, that's even the situation where, let's say you have a family vacation fund and you've been looking forward to going to, to Disney World or whatever it is for two, three years because you've been saving up. And then the transmission blows on your vehicle. You can get a second job to try to replace that. You can take out a loan. You can, Or you can realistically say, like, Hey, life happens, and we got to figure this out. Maybe you don't take the vacation so you can fix the transmission, but you have to be responsible either way. And some people, their solution would be like, "Well, it's just temporary. I'll get another job, or I'll just get another credit card, or I'll just..." You you can't do those types of things. You just have to be more responsible about it. And I guess this turned into like a Dave Ramsey session or something. But but really, though, I just I think a lot of things, money isn't talked about a lot. It's really not an emphasis I've seen from a lot of people that I know. When we were growing up anyways, I, it was never emphasized to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's we have a responsibility to teach to our children too because we have to remember all the behaviors we have, we're modeling for our children. So when they see their mother go out and get a job because they want a second vehicle, when all they're able to do with the, the second income is just pay for the vehicle because it's brand new and it's like a $1,000 a month payments, what's the point of that? So you can drive to and from a job? Right. What, what's the point? Of, what's the second vehicle for then?
0: The, the second income m- with it's most crazy. of the families it's that crazy. fall for this trap. I want to go through whether or not it's a veritable trap. We'll go through all of the, the characteristics of being an actual trap in a second. But usually with the second income is in, in two income households. You end up paying for the job. The, the <laughs> right? child care yeah. takes 50 to 60 percent of the average second income. It yeah. eats it right through. That's got to be with just like one or two kids too. Right, I'm not it, talking like three, four, five kids. Three, four, five kids—it's got to go up. Right, it, it just yeah. has to go up. But right. the, but also the kids, even though there are more kids, mm-hmm. they, they tend to be older, and sure. so once they're in, you know, five, six years old, they're just they're they're farming them out to schools in in most cases. Right, so, yeah. Then they're going to the public school. But schools. This, the second car cost, which I really—it's important to push that second car into a luxury or a creature comfort, mm-hmm. not in the realm of necessity, because it's not as We've already said necessary for a one income household, but you're paying for the upkeep on the car, heightened car insurance that's a little extra. The car itself, mm-hmm. of course, the gas that's a lot between that and the child care. You are eating through almost all of the second income. And yeah, this the point of this show was not to be Dave Ramsey <laughs> yeah. part two. We're gonna fix you, <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, but the point was to say, look. Is this really a trap? And I want to talk about the characteristics that would be required for this analog to stand up. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, You know, the the true characteristics of a true trap, if we're going to call it, if we're going to continue calling it that, because we use Elizabeth Warren's term. Yeah, we're all shocked that she said something (laughs) 75% sensible, but I'm pointing out now the 25% of Elizabeth Warren's uh, analogy that is not actually sensible. First, before we do that, I want to remind you. That Ask Your Husband is now out. You can buy this on Tan Books or Amazon. Ask Your Husband. We got a big box of these books, and it is such a good book. I was rereading the first two chapters the first night we got it. Steph did such an amazing job on this. And this book will piss off so many feminists. <laughs> so, so many feminists, and I mean non-Catholic, you know, Protestant, secular conservatives,
1: catholic trads yeah.
0: who are badly infiltrated by feminism i guess that's why we're doing this show today
1: people that don't think they're feminists will read this book and get mad because they realize that they're feminists probably precisely they're still hanging on to it somewhere right it's got its claws in
0: somewhere and this you know I've, I've run foul of this on twitter recently where i was at the end of the year 2021 i did a tweet which was standard fair uh kind of anti-feminism and and feminism has its claws even into the Catholic traditionalists really badly because in some ways it's easier to say, you know, blame everything on on the bishops, which I've I've done a lot of, blamed a lot of bishops, and I don't make apologies for that, (laughs) but it's easier to blame the bishops than to say, okay... We need to stop the feminism. This needs to start at home. We need to be a one-income household, and the man needs to run the show, and everyone will be happier and healthier once Mm -hmm. we do this. It's easier to say, oh, everything has to do with, you know, do you go to Latin Mass or the Novus Ordo? That's not not the centerpiece of society. The centerpiece of society, the original sin – Came, start Things started coming apart with household feminism. It with, started with Adam and Eve, okay? Mm-hmm. And Steph's book, Ask Your Husband, takes a, a very different approach to this. E- we'll, we'll piss the feminists off equally as my book, The Case for Patriarchy, <laughs> but totally a woman's perspective. And, and um, in that regard, I think she's going to piss off more feminists than The Case for Patriarchy has or will. Secondly, people, if you're still in a blue state in 2022 and you're a conservative... Get out. <laughs> get out. Run. <laughs> you have to do this fast. You have to do it fast. We don't know what's coming down the pike. You never know what new variant of beer bug is coming out and what the blue state governors are going to do with it. Go to realestateforlife.org and get from a blue state to a red state if it's at all in your power. I know some of you have to wait, but if it's at all in your power, get to a red state. Another thing is in eight days – the next slew of Retrograde Classical Academy live courses begin. There's a Tolkien class taught by one of our great teachers. There's a Constitution class in, in anticipation of Dobbs v. Jackson coming out at the end of the term. Most important Supreme Court case in the history of America. Take the intro to Constitution class with yours truly. And then there is a second uh, semester of intro Latin also taken with yours truly. And we have now seven classes on register that can be taken for very cheap uh, pre-recorded. So go to timothyjgordon.com and uh, click on the Retrograde Classical Academy courses. Also remember to like, subscribe, click the bell, leave a comment. I like cookies is sufficient. Or you can say something more substantial. Today we're talking about whether or not (laughs) The two-income trap, a term coined by Elizabeth Warren, the lefty. Bocahontas. <laughs> <Pocahontas, laughs> whether it's, Whether it's a legitimate uh, parallel, what, whether it's a, a legitimate analog that stands <laughs> up for having a second household income. And here, here's the thing. Look, for a trap to be a bona fide trap, it's got to be uh, a place where you land or you step without culpability. Right, Aristotle in book four of the Nicomachean Ethics talks about uh, like walking into a trap, the difference between falling in a trap and the differing levels of culpability by being a, a drunk man who gets himself into trouble. There's less culpability when you step in a, tra- a covered trap because you're not, you legitimately did not and should not necessarily have had constructive knowledge that it was there. So first off. Can a two income trap be considered a trap from the perspective of how you get there? I, I'm not so sure I'm willing to extend the analogy. I have what to, do you say?
1: I have to go back. I keep laughing. This is terrible. Like you're talking, I'm giggling like a schoolgirl. Yeah, you um, really are. Yeah, <laughs> a, there's a scene, and uh, I'm going to just keep using references that I know, but it's like James Woods in Family Guy is led into the home, and there's like pieces of candy. Leading up this... Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you familiar with this clip? He's, I don't ooh, think piece I know of this candy. Clip. Ooh, piece of candy. And then he walks like six more feet. Ooh, piece of candy. And then there's a stick with like a little rope. And they wait for James Woods to walk under this box. And they pull the trap out and they they catch him in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I,
0: I, can, I got the image. Yeah. That's the
1: ex, That's that's the two-income trap right there. That's literally what it is. It's like these things that you don't need, that you keep looking for. And while you're looking down, you're not paying attention to where you're going. And you're getting up and whether it's materialistic or whatever. And then someone pulls the, the string and the, and the stick and the box comes down. On top of Not accurate at all, people. I'm sorry.
0: But <laughs> use that analogy. Right. Like, think of the kind of trap that, like, Bengal tiger hunters, I don't know, Siegfried and Roy <laughs> must have used to get their tigers in the woods. Like, if it's a fully covered ground, jungle floor, right, mm-hmm. and, yep. and you do it competently, I'm you build the this. trap out, and they fall down a tiger falls down and it's a totally covered floor that is literally that's a, an actual a, trap it's an actual trap a because trap. there's no way that the indicia should have indicated to the bengal tiger right. that siegfried and roy will be waiting hungrily at the bottom of the trap unless, unless. the tiger is drunk <laughs> Unless then <tiger's>
1: it <laughs> doesn't count because then he's yeah
0: but if you're if you're following little um i don't know honey trap types <laughs> yeah. of indicia like uh, right. you know a candy <laughs> That's not normal, right? Those aren't the normal yeah. circumstances, and this is what this is what we call at law an attractive nuisance, right? And an attractive nuisance is something that it, it's a legal doctrine. It means you have like a dangerous piece of play equipment in your front yard that will entice people of lower than uh, mature intelligence to come play, children, right? So attractive nuisance is closer to what. Getting a second household income actually is, Mm -hmm. at least on this criterion, of whether or not it's a veritable trap in itself, it's an attractive nuisance, right? There are understandable ways. It's fun to have a second car. It's fun to have a yearly vacation. It's funner to have six TVs in the home than two. It's funner to have more creature comforts. So it's more an attractive nuisance than an actual trap. From from this perspective, you agree
1: or disagree? No, 100%. I mean, it's just... it's. Again, it's one of those things where you just have to look at it and be sensible. Like, yeah, two TVs is better than one TV in a lot of cases, people would think, or, or whatever. But who cares? Again, it's not even necessary to have one. So having two is just, it's a stupid, yeah, it's a ridiculous uh, distraction. It's its dumb.
0: Important I, is the caveat that Attractive Nuisance is a legal fiction that we roll out only for, for children, right? Yeah. right? I, you could sue me if I have a big, fun-looking teeter-totter in my front yard that's really rusty and will fall off of its hinges, uh, it, it, if a, a kid comes and plays on it, if a 30-year-old man
1: <laughs> with a family comes and plays on it, it's unless, not an attractive nuisance. Unless, it it's, James unless James, it's James Woods. Unless <laughs> it's James yeah. Woods. Uh, yeah, and James Woods is not a good guy. I'm not advocating for family guy, okay? So anybody who's thinking, like, I'm sitting here trying to say all this stuff, just please... It was just a, a joke about a show that I've seen. Somebody's getting upset somewhere, I know. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Just an image, just, just an, an image, image, people. Just, just using image. it for a teaching purpose is all we're doing.
0: Rules here. for retrogrades. <laughs> Remember, we, there's a difference between purity spiraling and just saying, right. "Hey, like I'm I made, an, I adverted to a, a silly TV show that probably has a lot that definitely has a lot of toxic stuff." in oh, it. Oh, absolutely. So here's the second way that a trap, a, a, a bona fide trap. Traps. Once you once you step there, you can't get out, right? So we before we apprise whether or not the two income trap qualifies as a veritable trap. Once you get there, you veritably can't get out. Now this is a little more arguable. I would say on prong one, it's a fail, it's an X, right? Because most people that get into the two income trap lifestyle knew what they're getting into, and they were just enticed by some sort of attractive nuisance. Prong two, you have a little bit more of a case here, and I think. I know what Anthony would say. I'll take a guess. You would say, "Well, personal agency, sacrifice, making a tough decision, squeezing, tightening the belt a little bit, should still keep this from being considered a true trap right. from the perspective of are you like, you know, trapped there mm-hmm. once you're there? Once you go to two incomes, it's gonna. I'll give. I'll give a little more on this one. And I, I know a lot of people out there are screaming at their screens now." Hey, once you get that second income, how the heck are we supposed to get rid of it? Right. Because
1: your 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 manner of living, your quality of living, this is all raised. You're accustomed to a certain lifestyle at that point. Right. Which people have used in court, actually, in divorce cases. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Of sure course. You have? Yeah. I'm accustomed to this lifestyle now, so millionaires will get... Basically alimony, of millions of dollars a month because I'm used to wearing Versace. Right. I can't wear anything else.
0: It's a way of justifying higher, higher uh, alimony payments. And I, yeah. And, and it, sorry. Yeah. it holds in court. Yeah. No, no, no,
1: it holds all the time. It's really ridiculous.
0: But is it a real trap? I mean, the, the, look, here's the same kind of reasoning that I offer to my conservative family and friends that won't leave their blue state when I make my real estate for life pitch. I tell them about this movie called Greenland with Gerard Butler that came out in 2020 or 2021. It's just unlike some of the sci-fi movies that came out in the late 20th century or early 21st century, this movie eerily feels like something that could happen after the beer bug. And as Gerard Butler, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, he's having a barbecue with some neighborhood friends. He gets a text at the grocery store and he's picking up some additional meats that, hey, you have a job that the government's interested in This comet that everyone's been hearing about on the news, it's been lied about on the news. They're saying it's going to be harmless and everyone's just taking a recreational interest in it. It's going to hit in two days. It's a a planet killer. There are only seven locations on planet Earth where people can shelter and be safe, one per continent. And you, Gerard Butler, and your one (laughs) wife and your one kid are... Some of the lucky ones, because of your job, what we're going to need for the future, that are invited to the North American shelter location, which is in Greenland. And, of course, the rest of the movie is Gerard Butler. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, I've never even heard of this film. It came out during COVID, and I think it went straight to Netflix or something. But he, he does what he has to do to get his wife and his kid and himself to the Greenland shelter. Duh, right? That's what you would do if you took the threat seriously enough of a blue state becoming actually a danger to your health, actually a danger to your moral health. You would get out within 48 hours, right? right? Yeah. And same thing with the two-income trap. If it were a real trap, like a steel cage holding in a, a, a poor Bengal tiger that's going to be, um, you know, tormented the rest of its life by <laughs> Siegfried and Roy— If it were real, then (laughs) – if that were a real trap, then you would never be able to leave. Right. Whereas that's not true. People would be like, okay, we'll eat half the amount of calories if it comes down to actually living or dying in the sense of a true emergency in the
1: sense of the movie Greenland. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And to be fair, like we're not saying it's not difficult. I wouldn't sit here and pretend like if you have two incomes or you bought a home that requires two incomes and you're living in that now and you're in that situation – maybe you seriously look at the idea that you have too much home for two incomes and you need to sell and get to a more modest home sure. again uh that that's that's got to be very difficult i've never had to do that but i can imagine that would be very tough because you're changing your lifestyle right the way that you're accustomed to living so no one's saying it's not difficult extremely difficult, or even we will take a plan. Six six months, a year, a year and a half, whatever's 18, you know, <coughs> 18 months is a year and a half. Anyways, whatever it is, huh. it may take time. Really good at math. Uh, but yeah, huh. maybe you figure it out that way. That That could be the case. So we're not saying that really difficult isn't possible. We're just saying it's not an actual trap and that you cannot get out of it. Right, really I, difficult I mean, does
0: not equal right. impossible. That's all we're saying. We're Absolutely. not saying it really difficult equals fun right. or no. facile. No. It's not perfectly fun or facile. It's going to be hard. And I know, like, look, I know as a business model for this show, and I know you know because we talk about this a lot behind the scenes, <laughs> yeah. I, whereas a lot of podcasters and YouTubers are out here throwing red meat to their audience every mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. telling you what you want to hear. Right. Um, somebody, everyone's engaged in this some. Um, Sometimes shows are just funner to do and you get to tell people things that will be comfortable for them. Hating on the bad bishops is always red meat because it's always true and it's always comfortable to hear. Oh, it's someone else's fault. It's actually their fault. We're not just lying Mm -hmm. when we Catholic uh, uh, podcasterati, when we're the ones up here telling you that. It's fun, but it's red meat. This is one of those instances where when we had the idea to talk about this today on how to live in the world and not of the world – we, it's not going to be popular. It's far more popular to say borderline feminist things even in the Trad world, right To say give you borderline feminist uh, excuses for why even though the Catholic bimillennial magisterial tradition requires a one-income household.
1: well that that all changed in the in the 20th century. But John that- Paul II's letter to women, Tim. Even John Paul II John Paul's says it's women. an evil though. I know. I'm just saying that's the first example people will say. That's what they'll say. They probably but, haven't read the letter, but
0: no. <laughs> but I mean like so this is a big problem with with trad audiences. is is like look, I understand that that saying possible does not mean fun. It just means feasible. Right. And and the, that's your big thing is you're like, well, I mean, wouldn't it wouldn't it be more easy to hear about how, you know, for me to alleviate whatever kind of remorse you have over this and say well it's simply not feasible but it's not true because you know what i i I, my seventh kid is on the way and now i I have a different kind of way of making money than most people Mm -hmm. so I, i understand that but i was in the most expensive state california a single income a school teacher right but before i ever started doing this three years back a single income in the most expensive state decent decent pay from a school but that's one income and it's still school teachers pay mm-hmm. and we were doing it with five of the seven kids that we now have mm-hmm. you do it you know under, well, I was well under a hundred thousand yeah it's doable that's what we're telling you Absolutely. if you make the cutbacks it's doable I I'm it's, not speaking for you but I know no, you're it's, not it's
1: it's very doable and the thing is is like I'm happy to engage with people obviously not in an online forum like this but on Twitter or wherever. Or if you if you know me personally, or you know people who know me, please feel free to ask them. Like this is it's very doable. You have to adjust to it, and it takes a lot longer to do things sometimes. Like to attain a nicer vehicle, you know, we didn't have a great vehicle for a long time, and then finally, after quite uh, a lot of effort and some pain and, and sacrifice, we were able to get like a really reliable type of vehicle and things. So you have to change the way you think about money, which is a whole other topic. Yeah, and you have to be willing to sacrifice, and that's going to take work on your part and your spouse's part and maybe if you've got spoiled kids I'm kidding but like if you have kids who aren't used to it maybe they'll, they'll have a change too maybe they used to not share rooms and now they're gonna whatever the case is I don't know but again it's it's, it's just
0: far better for the kids by the well, way yeah. to share rooms absolutely I, yeah yeah but yeah. it's
1: it's not that it's not doable again if we're being actually honest with ourselves and each other it's, it's it is doable it's just very very uncomfortable and it takes a lot of uh, come to jesus moments on your part to be like okay I have to be just better just living in a better way honestly it it really truly is a
0: better way agree someone made a comment the other day i I don't read comments because sometimes you know a lot of times they're very very good faithful nice kindly listeners just saying thanks for doing what you do and that that really is nice to hear or if they're constructive they're not usually if their criticisms they're not usually constructive mm -hmm. and someone said to me like Something outrageous that really did piss me off uh, a, a few shows <laughs> back. I, I'm going to be fully honest. It was something ridiculous, and it it was it was bothering me for 20 minutes because it was so unjust and so preposterous. Not not because it it was near the mark. It was something like, "Look, Tim, you're afraid to stand up to the bishops on the Latin Mass." I'm like, "Dude, I'm not allowed <laughs> to give talks." In most dioceses in this country. Do you understand that? Like, I'm literally persona non grata in a a, a large portion, a large fraction of the dioceses in America. The, The USCCB has bishops that know me and don't know me. Most of the ones that know me don't like me and will try to cancel me. I could never get a job as a school teacher in any of those jurisdictions, dioceses. I have stuck my neck out on more issues than just this little, narrow Latin mass issue, which is important because I'm a TLM supporter, always have been, have been longer than, than most of you guys out there, uh, have been for 13 years or whatever. And um, no longer than that, like 14, 15 years. And yet, I've stuck my neck out on things like uh, economics. I've stuck my neck out on the feminism issue. I've stuck my neck out. My, my wife is writing... Feminism books, in in the capacity she's allowed to by by holy scripture. Saint Paul, women are allowed to s- instruct the other women. That's what this book by Steph is. Ask your husband, and she had your permission, and she had my permission. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, li- I mean, literally, she came to me and she's like, "Do you think this is a good idea?" Your your publisher Tan wants me to do this. I've stuck my neck out in but by defending, although it's it's uh, people think it's a tortuous route. Uh, the Leonine, this that is to say, Leo the Thirteenth salutary connections between Catholicism and, and early America, early America. I've, you know, made a rule book attacking the radical left in 40 ways. If you don't think
1: you're busy. that I'm, yeah, I've been a busy <laughs> you're a dude. Busy guy. <laughs>
0: I've been a busy dude outlawed in lots of outlawed in upper ed, outlawed from teaching, lower ed. The bishops don't like me. It is so preposterous to say that just because I'm telling you guys that we have to start the critiques at home, with the original sin, feminism, Adam and Eve, and have men running households, which is, I would say, trad households are as bad or worse as leftist households, secular humanist households, Nova Zordo households. Traditionalism is rife with feminism. And I'm saying we need to start there and we need to go build up from the ground up. And yes, that this includes, we somehow need the bishops to be responsible, to be accountable we we need at some point as a church to see meaningful change. We need to go back to either the TLM or Sacrosanctum Sanctum Concilium. But that's not for us. We're the lay people. There's plenty for us to do that is doable, that would affect our lives in a more important salutary way. And people are just overlooking for the red meat because it's funner to hear what other people like the bishops could be doing. And I've never neglected to criticize the bishops in the first place. Yeah,
1: and I, I mean... Realistically, we can go out to the, the bishop's residence with a bullhorn and just stand vigil and scream at him or whatever, but they don't, they don't care anyways. Right. It's like James Martin or whoever that you're going to speak. They're in their ways. They're not going to be changing. What's going to change is when we order our households in the right way, live in the state that we're supposed to, and then affect the culture and the politics and everything else from that because we have relationships with people. We have you know, personal and professional relationships, and they see these differences and things, and they come to us, and hopefully— our life combined with, uh, you know, prayer and things and sacrifice for others will then start to change things. We can get good bishops when we're providing good, wholesome children with values that are doing this. Or, well, men, right? Young men who are raised right, who have their mothers at home, who grow up in the single income. They see the sacrifice their fathers and their mothers make Amen. in combination with their families. <coughs> and they have other families like that who are doing the same thing, making these sacrifices. That's when the culture starts to change. Right, it's going to take time. It's not an overnight thing. There's no magic bullet. There's none of that stuff, silver bullet, magic potion, whatever. I don't even know what the right. The
0: I right mean, I would say is, the but... clo- uh,
1: well, we could. I I think I'm agreeing with you
0: when I'm saying the closest thing to a magic bullet is actually reclaiming households one by one. Meaning, yeah. each household That's is a household patriarchy that yeah. would have such a huge effect on society, even a bigger effect than divorce. There's the households which don't suffer from divorce yeah they're suffering from feminism 99 out of a hundred of them and again I'm talking to, to trads as much no. as secular people.
1: Everybody can be guilty of that it doesn't matter where it is. right the Tradists to the Trad houses you know
0: Aristotle says men start revolutions for reasons related to their private lives and I would say look when we're, like I've been talking about the Ti I' helped help to help to re- sort of refashion. This new uptick in TLM attendance, I know it's a it's a beautiful thing. It's been there long before I was there. But on Taylor Marshall's channel, we were we were Taylor and I were a big reason that a lot of people in this younger generation started going to the TLM. Now it was there long before that show was. So I'm not claiming more than I'm claiming. But the point is, yes, that is liturgically important and will be a, a widely accepted thing when. God's people have come back around to where they need to be. I I will say that. that The liturgy needs to be where it's at. But it is not the whole story. It is not even close to the whole story. And it's easy to go start some revolution in some area that is not properly ours. And by so doing, neglect duties that we actually have that are far more central to our vocation, the layman. Mm -hmm. As laymen, our vocation is getting ourselves, our wives, and our kids to heaven and we do so by leading from the front. Right. Too many laymen, too many traditionalist laymen are not leaders and they're like it's too late. I've been married 10 years, 15 years, 20 it's never years. Too late. I can't turn it around. And w- what I say, what Steph says, what you say, what your wife says, mm-hmm. it's never too late. It's never too late to to have male-led households that are harmonious, they're lovely. Ask your husband and and that's what Steph's new book is admonishing Catholic women to do. Ask your husband. Let me just read you the table of contents really quickly. Chapter one is called "The Basics." Do whatever he tells you. Uh, chapter <laughs> that's two. Gonna that's going to be popular, right? Already. See, now this friends. is sticking your neck out, right? And this is this is my wife's book. This is sticking your neck out. Uh, chapter one: The basics. Colon. Do whatever he tells you. Oh, chapter man. two: Why this book isn't, is not. A performed contradiction. Chapter three, an obedient wife is actually man's best friend. I think it's hilarious imagery. Uh, Number four, unplugging from the culture of lies. Chapter five, inerrant Catholic teaching versus working wives. Here's that two income issue. Mm -hmm. Chapter six, wear what he likes, do what he likes. No men are going to be complaining about that. The chapter <laughs> yeah, there's, chapter there's seven. There will be.
1: There'll be somebody somewhere that's like the way some, it was written. Or the some LARPer,
0: Yeah. <laughs> chapter seven, the obligatory complimentary chapter on women, which is a hilarious chapter. There. Yeah. And number eight, the the leader who won't leave. This is what you call sticking your neck out, and it's a, a tiny petite five foot three Steph Gordon who's done it with this amazing book. Ask your husband. Really geared toward the women. In traditionalist and non-traditionalist society, this is sticking your neck out. Sticking your neck out is not throwing red meat to an audience that wants to hear the same show repackaged a hundred times. That's
1: pretty easy to do, really, to just prepare the same thing over and over and over again and keep providing that. And uh, it's, I'm glad that that you don't do that. Um, even as friends, you know, we don't sit and do the same conversations and have the, you know, we always talk about. Remember when is kind of like the lowest <laughs> form of conversation, but you know, it's good to see though, and and that's why I think a lot of people. Want to hear this stuff? And when people that I hear from, they they like that. And listen, we should all be challenging each other. And so it's a challenge to like we you know constantly are challenging each other to be better men, better husbands, better fathers, better Catholics. Right? It's it's the same sense here. Uh, yeah. We, we all really need to step up because what got us into this situation was lackadaisical BS leadership that basically was non-existent or very mediocre at best. And so the only way to change that is to reverse what we were doing. Um, when you said it's not it's never too late. That's the absolute truth. The growing pains are different So the, the change the growth the the way that it happens looks different for every family We could discuss things that we've seen or that we've heard But that's very anecdotal and anecdotal is specific to each case, right? And so for you it might look very different how you start that is is also gonna be different based upon your family and The dynamics there and how it's been in the past. The, there's a whole chapter in your book there It's like when the leader doesn't lead, right? Yeah. And that just makes me think about things too is like there's different temperaments even. So even though the male is the head and the leader, there are temperaments where there are women that are very much like go get them whatever. And there's men that are just very quiet and reserved. That doesn't mean that they don't lead still, right? There's, right. there's different ways to, to look at how those temperaments work together. So there isn't like a, a Tim Gordon's Rules for Retrograde show where like you're gonna just going to give everybody everything they need in like a 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is. We're just basically saying to everybody like this is something we all need to think about. Right. Because we all have to do this, uh, it's a journey and a process, like anything else. I'm not the, the perfect leader. I'm not the perfect example of a nor I. head yeah. of house or anything. I would be <coughs> ridiculous if I thought that. It would be terrible for me to sit here and pretend that. Even it would be um, irresponsible. And so no one's claiming that either. Uh, and we, we can all kind of help each other on this journey. But so, but but the important thing about accompaniment. The, the point, here, the accompaniment, accompaniment <laughs> meeting someone listening. to the periphery. <laughs>
0: dialogue meet me at the verges of society no i i want to i want to close on this point all right you keep saying okay let's let's assume what are we assuming here on rules for retrogrades today 99 of of households were overrun by intentionally or unintentionally mm-hmm. wives who are a- acting at the behest of feminism whether they knew it or not whether eve knew it or not this is part of the original sin and this is the main problem in society, probably even flushing out these high numbers we see among LGBT, and um, Just a disorder, a fundamentally disordered view of manhood and womanhood that they're fungible. It's basically proto-transgenderism, right? So most men, I get contacted a lot and Steph gets contacted a lot with questions, pointers, people requesting tips, saying, look, my household has been this way for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. What people what is very common when people seek my advice or Steph's advice, they want us their little itch that they want scratched is for us to be like, "Oh, your household's been basically your wife run, feminist run for 15 or 20 years. Well, it's too late for you." You know you know how how and why they want that? Because that's the easy way out right. to be like, "Oh, no, there's a statute yeah. of limitations if right. If you'd been married three years or under, then you could make this uncomfortable, healthy, yet uncomfortable change. But, oh, dude, if you've been married 15 years and your wife runs the household and that's just the culture of the household, then it's too late for you. Or if you're on the two-income trap, it's just too late for you. See how we care about your soul, we care about your vocation, we care about your marriage, and we're not going to let you off the hook. Here's a perfect analogy. I, I used to do this, and my mom used to be the one that would remind me in late high school and even college. When you're like, I'm so behind studying for this midterm or final exam, I might as well just blow it off. And you'd say that and you're, you're <laughs> rationalizing, right? Yeah, I would literally do this. I would be like, I'm, I'm so behind, I better just, I better just call oh, yeah, it, right? Yeah. Your best friends, your best people in your corner will be like, no, look, you got 12 hours, I'll brew you some coffee. You sit down, you can, your body can handle one night without sleep. It's not too late. And you're like, damn it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no. that's, what, not that's what you want to hear, though. That's not that's what you want to hear. See, if you're being honest with yourself, you're kind of pissed at right. the person that's like, no, no, I'll, I'll brew that coffee. You stay up all night. Look, it's not too late. Even though ostensibly they're delivering the good news, and you might mm-hmm. thank them later if you actually follow through, drink the coffee, stay up all night, get the A on the test. The you'll test. thank them later. <laughs> Fail the test, anyways. Fail the test, anyway. That's <laughs> that's just a worst case scenario. Then then you're really going to hate them.
1: But, but you didn't do any worse. <laughs> you would have failed anyway. Right. <laughs>
0: You see what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, we're here 100%. to tell you yeah. it's not too late. for The the two-income trap is not a veritable trap. Right. We're here to tell you, even in the culture of your family, lots of trad Catholic families are kind of feminist, even if it's a one-income household. And It's just the real power is, is, is the wife, which right. is really the diabolic trick. That's the, the main way the devil always uses to destroy families and drive kids and parents away from the faith Mm -hmm. is by having mothers be the priest, prophet, king of the household. Mothers be the real muscle. It's not too late. Even if if you're a boomer and you've been doing this for 30, 35 years, it's not too late. That's what the cross means. That's what the shadow of the cross means. It's Mm -hmm. always, if you've got lungs that are still drawing breath, you can still turn it around even if you're 70 and you've been doing bad habits for 35 years. It's never too late. And yes, I know, I'm the uh, mother figure who is telling you I'll brew a pot of coffee and you hate me for it. But this is what Rules for Retrogrades is all about because we're about creating true eudaimonia, true happiness, truly good habits. We know that the audience will therefore never be the huge red meat audience. That is a decision that you make. It's something called business modeling. Right. And I, I don't want to bullshit you guys. That's what it comes down to. It's just like, look, I'll say unpopular things every once in a while. I'll say stuff that's popular when I can, when and where I can, if it's sense. not compromising <laughs> yeah. principle. But this, I'm sorry, two income is not a trap. It's not too late. It's not too late to do the, un- the the culture of feminism. It is an unculture in your household. But but people are going to have to make, like you're always saying, uncomfortable changes. Uncomfortable I'll, I'll give changes. you the last word.
1: No, the, the other thing too is like never black pill. Never think it's never. too late. We, I can't stress that enough because there are so many things in my life. If I would have thought it was too late, it would be just bad news for everybody. I mean, you, you once you get into that black pill mindset and you just give in into despair. I don't know how many times I've said this with you, but despair is the favorite tool of the devil you can never give in to despair you have to just uh it was like a rocky moment like keep pushing forward right see how hard you can get hit and just keep pushing what does
0: rocky say it's not how you know it's It's not not how many times you fall it's 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 how how, whether or not you can get up every time you fall rocky three
1: yeah absolutely keep moving forward it's really true but it's, it's true and and look like i'm not kidding like people who know me or want to reach out to me go ahead i'm on twitter i'm not on there a lot you can dm me I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but maybe maybe I'll have something that I've done that works for you, or who knows? I'm I'm willing to help people, right? Um, He's a humble
0: guy, and he's a very smart guy, and and I've seen how his family works. It's lovely, and (laughs) no, and (laughs) so of the people at your parish, and and uh, you're you're always you're running yourself down too much. It's it's actually your family works very well. You have a lovely wife. That
1: it takes a lot of work, but it takes work because we didn't start there. We're not where we need to be, right? We're still working on that ourselves, and I think everybody is supposed to be on that path. And that's something that I will work with and accompaniment with people. <laughs> Everything else, no way. But yeah, you well, have to a, just do it.
0: Isn't yeah. it a tremendous have to do it. apostolate to have? Be like, look, I mean, this is the main thing I get contacted about are personal tips for householding, being a, a dad or a mom. And Steph gets, uh, could, could I talk to Steph too? A lot of patrons will call and say, hey, do you mind if I ask you a household question? Mm-hmm. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, especially if you keep them, the emails, we always ask people keep them, first email, less than three lines or so because yeah. we get so many emails. Right. But, but if it's this use how you want to use your Patreon call, it's a smart way to do it because it's grown into a major aspect of the apostolate. I, do I have a book there? No, I don't have one of mine. I've got a book called The Case for Patriarchy, and four months later comes Steph's book, which is now out. You can now get it on Tan Books or Amazon, called Ask Your Husband. And it's just become a huge part of the apostolate. And it's also the root of original sin is the the feminism (laughs) endemic to the wife not even meaning to taking over the role of the husband. It's a constant battle. It's a constant battle. It's the main psychological tool the devil uses to wreck families, to cause sin, to bring about more suffering, sickness, death. Yeah, Sin.
1: Absolutely. Or we can just drink scotch, smoke cigars. And pretend that we're doing what we're supposed to do, all while neglecting our duties as men. <laughs> right, that's the other option. Pretending the, that's what it is to be a trad man. To do, yeah, to be a leader of your family. Yeah, never yeah.
0: spend, never spend any. Here's here's the <laughs> larpy way to pretend to be a trad man. Uh, not, not that I have anything against scotch or cigars. Scotch but is great. Scot- yeah, yeah. <laughs> scotch scotch cigars. Too much time away from the home, not enough time being the best friend of your wife, leader best friend, friendship between unequals, as Aristotle calls it in uh, book eight of the Nicomachean Ethics. But best friend, lots of face time with the wife and the kids, got to pray with the kids. You also have to play with the kids a lot, but just scotch, cigars. Uh, you know, look kind of like a a Muslim dude, uh, you know, with his family at at Costco or something. (laughs) You make the wife do all the heavy lifting. That's not what we're talking about. The wife has to do everything. She has to submit in every way I say. So I, that makes me extra, uh, uh, I don't know, scrupulous about making sure I'm not being a jerk. I want to be Nice. I want to be loved the crown, as they say,
1: because you have to make the right decisions. You have to try to do what's best for everyone. And that's uncomfortable for you sometimes, too, as the man, which is the other thing. Sometimes you have to sacrifice for things. Not sometimes all the time. Right. Because I'll tell you what, like working anybody who (laughs) goes and works a lot of hours and is away from their families knows that that sucks. I would never wish that on my wife. right? Right. So that's going back to the idea of everyone sacrificing in their own way. But for us especially, heavy lies the crown. We have to make those decisions for everybody and lead in the right way. And sometimes we'll make mistakes too. That's part of the growing pains is learning to be an effective leader by making some mistakes and having that support there. Um, I would say we've talked about how the foundation of your marriage has to be your friendship with your wife, how she's your helpmate and your best friend. We talked about that I think the last time we did an episode together on your show. So if this is resonating with you at all in this, go back and watch that. And see where you should start from. Because if you're not friends or you're having a, a bad time with your marriage, that comes first, right? Because you have to fix that. And then this makes a lot more sense later. Um, but you can struggle through that first part. And if, if you're not making that work correctly, this is not going to follow. Well, it's it's funny. We, we've talked with some of our, our, our
0: people lately about how even your family and friends can become a crutch where it's like, If you're in that situation, and and all marriages go through ups and downs, Mm -hmm. where you're irritated and on each other's nerves, husband and wife, all the time, and then it's like, okay, well, it's quiet driving to mom's house or brother's (laughs) house or friend's house, and then we're just – we get friendly and we kind of – the guys talk to the guys and the wife goes and talks to the girls – and then it's quiet on the drive home. It's like, okay, you know what you need to do? Again, it's the thing that feels the most counterintuitive. You need to stop spending so much time around the friends. You guys need to start going on more one-on-one concentrated dates mm-hmm. and focusing on the art of conversation, focusing on what initially attracted you. Everybody has these issues. But usually to get out of the the trouble, even in the culture of marriage, to get out of the trouble that you're in, it's doing the path of most resistance, not the path of least resistance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But with, the, with regard to – this should be the last thought because we were really talking about one income trap. Yeah, for the yeah. guy, for the man, for the householder that actually is charged with this curse, curse of Adam, you got to go do labor. Curse of Eve, you got to have labor pains from, <laughs> from birthing kids. You don't have to do labor. You're not supposed to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Think about it. It's like King Theoden in uh, Two Towers – Middle book of Lord of the Rings, he says, Hey, um, Mariadoc, my riders can't bear you as burden, even though you have a mighty heart and you want to ride on the back of one of my riders of Rohan to war and then fight and maybe die. None of my riders can bear you as a burden. It's a three-day ride to war, and they have to ride all three days through the nights and then have enough strength to fight when you get there. That's what it is to be the breadwinner of a household, to be a man Your least important job as the man is to go earn bread for whatever amount of hours, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours, whatever your job entails, by day, and then get home with the strength to really begin your vocational duties, playing with, praying with, overseeing, loving very actively your household. You can't fall into the habits that gave us the baby boomer generation where they saw this kind of Johnny Unitas haircut Uh, set your watch by your haircut Uh, greatest generation guys coming home sitting in their chair for three hours and then going to bed not interacting with the family that is not the model of the patriarchy the model is something that I don't think has ever been seen before in American society it's going to work coming home and yes your dog tired but you got to play outside with the kids then pray with them Then that's what you got to do it's not it's not necessarily always the funnest it's a sacrifice but it's a manly sacrifice that the single breadwinner is called to make.
1: Yeah. Your job doesn't start until you get home. Your true vocation doesn't start until you come home. That's when you really have to be putting in the effort. Uh, That's very well said. That's the way that I would look at it. Yeah, don't feel bad if it feels like effort. It's like, oh, but
0: I want, when I play with my kids, I'll do that on the weekend where it can be natural. I'm actually enjoying it. No, a lot of times your kids are enjoying it. They're give, you give them a piggyback ride. I'll go play hide-and-seek with them out front, and I'm like...
1: That's where I draw the line. <laughs> hide-and-seek is forget it. No, <laughs> I'm not
0: doing that. It's a good game when you're <laughs> rested. But the point is, it's fine if it feels a little bit like work. Yeah. Try not to let it show on your face. And, um, and, and we're just trying to give you the tools, trying to give you the reminders. We know you probably know your natural reason in accord with the natural law. We're trying to give you the reminders... For for you know you know getting you and your family to heaven. God bless you guys, Anthony. Thank you for for joining with me again. I always enjoy talking about family stuff with you because absolutely. It's I feel funny. like you're an imperfect guy. I'm an imperfect guy. We never do the perfect show. I never do my perfect call outs, right? And and my my endorsements and things like that perfectly. No one says exactly perfectly the platonic form of what's on their mind. But one thing that neither of us can be accused of at mm-hmm. the end of any of these shows we've done together
1: is being say, funny <laughs> <laughs> it's being actually entertaining that yeah
0: or a being entertaining or or b saying something other than what we truly mean even if it if it has the the ring of something that might sound unpopular Absolutely. or challenging sure and and I know you you live it out night you, you know that this is I'm saying what I mean here yeah god bless you guys people love your families love your friends particularly take care of your spouses this is what God wants Deus Volt will be back next week with some amazing shows I hope to do a show with Steph on